Welcome to the I Don't Give a Should show, a podcast exploring all the ways that women should all over themselves. How many times do you find yourself acting out of obligation or doing what everyone else expects from you without stopping to consider why? Where do all those beliefs that are driving you come from? If you're tired of feeling resentful, overwhelmed, stuck, exhausted, or pissed off, you are in the right place. Shooting all over yourself is a real thing, but it doesn't have to be in the driver's seat. I'm your host, Jen Sherwood, and I spent way too many years trying to prove that I was good enough and worrying what other people thought while avoiding conflict at all costs. Today, I don't give a shit. Well, not as many anyway, and neither should you. I'm talking to women like you who figured out how to stop shooting and start living. You're listening to the I Don't Give a Should show, episode number one. I turned the tables on myself in this, the very first episode of I Don't Give a Should. I'm used to being the interviewer, the one asking the questions that lead me to the fascinating tales of women discovering and overcoming the shoulds. And I thought it was important that you, the listener, understand why I'm so passionate about this. So today I'm sharing my should story. But rather than me just talking about it, I thought it'd be way more juicy if I enlisted the help of a friend to put me in the hot seat and lead me through my experience. Her questions helped me to uncover how I ended up knee deep in the shoulds in ways that I hadn't thought of or maybe articulated before. So a big thank you to my friend and insightful interviewer, Jen Liddy. Enjoy episode number one. And thanks for being here on the premiere episode of the I Don't Give a Should show. It means the world to me that I get to hear and share these stories. So as I said, I'm here with my friend, Jen Liddy. Jen, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm still a little giggly. Jen and I were talking before we hit record. And and this is just so fun and different for me to be on the other side of the microphone, if you know what I mean. So I will stop chattering and turn it over to my friend, Jen, who's going to pull out all the juicy details of my should story. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hello to your listeners. It's so interesting to do it this way. I love this whole paradigm of like interviewing the interviewer to help her audience get to know her a little bit. So uh, before we get started, my name is Jen Liddy. I am a content and copy strategist. I help women who want to get their ideas uh, about for their marketing out of their head and into the world and cleaned up so people can see them. The reason that Jen and I are talking today is because she has so much experience and we want to pull it out of her head and share it with you. So thanks for being here today. And uh, here we go. <laughs> before you, before you jump in, I just want to say, you, you know, your introduction of yourself, anybody listening, Jen is amazing at what she does. We are friends, but I have worked with her as well. So I just want to give you that little, that little plug before <laughs> we jump in. <laughs> You're welcome. So Jen, when you and I started working together, you were, and still are a life coach, but one of the things you were really struggling with is what's my way into working with people? Who am I as a life coach? Which I think is something a lot of life coaches struggle with. Yeah. And very quickly, we kind of learned uh, this idea of people shooting all over themselves and having these ideas about what they should do or have to do or are obligated to do. And so I'm wondering, before we dive into your story, how did it feel for you to identify that little 
like that little crack in the door where you saw the possibility for the the road you could be on in terms of your own messaging and purpose? Oh, I've not, I don't think I've really ever thought about that before. I think it felt like just a pull in the right direction because I understand this so well, this coming from expectation, this really worrying about what people think, because that doesn't change between your personal life and your professional life. If you're somebody who worries about what people think of you in general, then you're going to worry about what they think about your product or how you said something in a, a promotional video or the way you present yourself. I mean, it's universal. How we do one thing is how we do everything. So when I could see that, it just felt like the right way to go because it's such a painful way to live. It's such a pain in the ass way to live too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm really drawn to is helping women who feel this way about themselves have a different approach and have a different experience. So it was hopeful and it just really felt like the right way to go. Yeah. And it was almost like you were able, cause I was there for, I witnessed yeah. it. It was almost like you being able to put a label on it and almost like put it on a shelf and be able to take it down and examine it. And like, you could see how it's, how shooting seeps into everything. And then I think you also could see how it was everywhere around you with the people and the, like, it was outside of yourself also. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how you said, you know, you, you kind of label it. And I've actually been doing a lot more of that in my coaching recently on really helping people, women to take sort of these overarching stresses, like overwhelm and anxiety. And let's like break this down a little bit further because it it is too much when you're like, I'm just overwhelmed because then you can't get out of it. And so taking my client and sort of breaking it down to like, oh, here's what it feels like when you're shooting on yourself and then, you know, other various things, but that should, like you said, like it's, it's almost this bucket. It's this category of things that we do to ourselves and identifying it helps us to be able to move through it. So that's what it's like for me is looking at that particular behavior, how it impacts their lives and how do we shift that? Because man, when we do, the outcome is so good. So I want to take you back to a place before you really identified that you were shooting a place far before you even knew you could do anything about the shooting, right? What was that like for you? Where, what was your life like? I said to you before we started, I've been not really trying to think about this because I want it to be very organic. Mm -hmm. This is the one place that I did think about like, how long have I been shooting on myself? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's my whole life. And if you think back, I mean, I'm not that different than everybody else, but when we're young, we really want to fit in. And that's a lot of shooting, like, (laughs) you know, and I think there were some things in my background that really, again, not unlike other people that really took a hit. My self-esteem took a lot of hit. There was some bullying. There was some things that just left me really craving fitting in and feeling validated and feeling good enough. And I really think that's where the shoulds originated for me. Just like I was thinking today, Jen, you and I are eighties kids, you know, where mm-hmm. we were really in school and man, you know, I just wanted the Jordache jeans. Oh my God. Why wouldn't my mother buy me Jordache jeans? Right. They were the shit oh. youngsters. If you're listening, the Jordache jeans were the <laughs> shit in the eighties. And like, I just thought if I could just have the Jordache jeans that I would fit in and people would like me, you know, it's that same yeah. process. And so that was like really through all my schooling and college and but where the shooting really like, uh, I almost said broke me, I, mm. but I think that's kind of what happened or it, 
you know, broke my awareness. I don't know what yeah, you want to yeah, call yeah. it. I'd had enough. I'd had enough was motherhood. And when <laughs> I <laughs> you have right. to pause for laughter. Right, right, right. You know, when I had my kids, I have two girls. Oh, it was just this time. I, it's so funny, right? You hear people talk about motherhood and they're like, oh, motherhood. And I just went, oh, it was yeah. this time. But I was so buried under should and perfectionism. Of course, I didn't know it at the time, but like, right. I just wanted to be so good at everything. And all of that, again, was like trying to look like I had it together, trying to make people see me a certain way because I felt pretty damn inadequate at every turn. So I've got two kids. I'm in my professional career at this point, And I just don't, I, I feel like I'm dropping the ball everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. I'm worried, right? That somebody's going to figure out, I don't, don't know what I'm doing anywhere, anywhere in my life. And that it wasn't just limited to, you know, we hear the term imposter syndrome and often that's about work. And man, did I have imposter syndrome at work? And it's just ironic. This is just how imposter syndrome is, but I'd been in my career. I was a pediatric audiologist with clinical experience. And then I was in a big state program where I was doing consulting and I'd been at that role for years. And I still felt like somebody's going to figure out, I don't know what I'm doing. I have a freaking master's degree in audiology. And I'm still like, somebody's going to figure it out. And then you go into this motherhood thing where I don't have a master's degree and I don't have years of experience. I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. And everybody around me seems like they know what they're doing and their kids sleeping through the night. And like, I just couldn't win in any arena. And so what did you do at that point? Mm. When you had this awareness and the heaviness got so heavy that like you couldn't, there was no escaping it because now it's not just like, I mean, should survival for myself would, yeah. okay, fine. I can't do the Jordache jeans. Okay, fine. I'll do something else. Right. Like, yeah. You get to parenthood and now you've got people who require your attention all the time. And you're just so like, you know, sucking the life out of you. Yes. And then it's like, you can't figure it out on your own anymore. So you, that you had this like awareness smack you in the face. What did you do at that point? Yeah. So the sucking the life right out of you, I don't want to gloss over that. Mm -hmm. I really want to stop for a second because if anybody is listening and they really feel stuck, and they just feel like, is this as good as it gets? Yeah. That's where I was. And yeah. the thing it. is, I want to be really clear about this. I had the life I had dreamed of. I have a great husband. I have two healthy kids. We had a home. We had friends. Like on paper, I should have been really happy. And should have been. Wasn't. You should have. <laughs> I should have been really happy, but I wasn't. And so a few things happened to where I just think I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Look, I had no idea that I was the one creating these ideas of what life was supposed to look like. And so I finally just decided to get some help. Like this was beyond something I could figure out on my own. And so I, I did, I worked with a therapist and I think that was really important. At the same time this was happening, I was burning out in my career Mm -hmm. And audiology is this very narrow topic. And so I was also at the same time considering like, what else mm. could I do with the things that I love about my career? And then coaching just started oh, speaking yeah. to me. And so I'm seeing a therapist, I'm feeling better in that way, but I feel like I want something to help move me forward into a new career. And coaching is kind of speaking to me. So I thought, well, I should hire a coach. And then Jen, she rocked my world. And she was the first person to help me see 
that it wasn't the circumstance that I was in that was making me feel how I felt. And she was the first person to make me realize that these ideas that I had that I was trying to live up to, they were my ideas. I could change them, right? right. Like th- there was this way that not as a blame, because I want to be clear about that. I mm. was creating this for myself. I'm the one who was like, this is perfection. This is where I need to be, but I'm never going to reach it and I'll be miserable. So mm. why do I have to try to reach that? And she really helped me see that critical inner voice and how that was what was actually sucking the joy out of my life. Not motherhood. It's an interesting confluence of both external world and internal world, right? Like the external world is painted for us. Like you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. This is what a good mother looks like. This is what a good worker looks like. This is what a good partner looks like. And there's all of these external things that we take in and, and then add on to that. What our parents said, what our Brownie leader said, what, you know, our sixth grade teacher said, like all of those things are external. And then they create this internal landscape that starts to rule us. Yeah. So we think that it's all this external stuff, which has actually caused our internal thoughts. But the only way to change any of it is to start from the inside and work your way out. 100%. And, and that's you don't what it, get that until you get it. That, yes. And that's part of, thank you for saying it so succinctly. That is why I do this podcast is because most of us don't realize that we have absorbed this social conditioning, these social ideals. And we think that that's just how it's supposed to be. And don't really think to question it. Do I really have to have a size six pants and, you know, Mm -hmm. compete with Susie down the street for all the material things? No, no. But we keep thinking that if I just lose the weight, if I have a nicer car, if I have a nicer house, then I'll feel fill in the blank. And if we're just chasing these expectations that society, culture, family, whomever have put on us without actually stopping. Like, do I really care about that? Do I actually want that? That in my personal experience and what I see in my clients is when they're chasing those things without realizing. And you know, and I want to back up, it's not necessarily about the Gucci purse or whatever. It's really about like trying to be that ideal of a good mom or the successful career, or I won't feel good about myself until I get this promotion, all that kind of bullshit leaves us feeling exhausted and Mm -hmm. resentful and overwhelmed. I mean, any negative emotion you can think of, there's probably some of this underneath it, frustrated, Mm -hmm. angry. My hope is that by talking about this and sharing this, one, we bring awareness for people who may not see it. And just two, if somebody else out there feels this way, it just might give them a moment to go, oh my God, Maybe it's maybe I'm okay because I really felt like I wasn't okay. That yeah. sort of internalizing of all that that stuff that you were talking about was external. Really made me feel constantly like I was not okay. I was not good enough, and I lived with that for a really really long time. That's such bullshit, and we waste yeah. so much time and energy on that. That's why I do this. You know what I think happens too is. In the life coaching world, no, I'm not a life coach, but in the life coaching slash personal development slash self-help, whatever you want to call it world, you get surrounded by people who are doing this mindset work or who are doing self-care work or whatever. And you forget in your bubble that there are people out there who haven't done this work yet, right? So you you become desensitized that like, oh, everybody knows about inner critic. Everybody knows about the shits, but... It goes the other way too. 
If you're surrounded by people who complain, who bitch and moan about everything, if you're surrounded by people who are unhappy and toxic and negative, that becomes your norm too. Yes. Your oh, listeners yeah. might be like, I've heard about this personal development stuff. I've heard about everything she's talking about. This is not news to me. But if you're only surrounded by everybody in your house, in your family, in your work, in your community, who you take in online, and it's not that, it's not helpful, it's negative, it's harmful, um, that becomes your norm. So peeling back the layers is a really scary thing Mm -hmm. because it's very possible. And I'm sure you experienced this when you started examining your own shoulds. Oh my God, what if I stop thinking that I should do that? What if I stop thinking I have to do this? What if I stop doing this thing? Who is it going to piss off? Who is, and, and will it make the negative people even more negative? Right? So it's a thing. So I think you are, I'm curious about when you started to have these ahas, And you started to see, okay, my therapist is helping me. My coach has helped me. How did it actually make your life better? Because it's very scary before you dip your toe into this world that you might be messing with everybody and screwing everything up. Oh, Jen, this is so good. I'm so glad this is the direction you went. And if I forget to answer your question, remind me, but literally (laughs) just yesterday, I was working with a client and we were talking about her creating more boundaries between her and her young adult children so that she has more time. And her question to me was, well, what happens to the relationships if I close my office door? And my answer was, you know, everybody's different, right? But you close your office door and you make time for yourself. Like your kids will figure it out. Her kids are young adults. They will. But this is a genuine question. I mean, she really was concerned about this. For me, when this started happening, before I was aware of what I was doing, I would worry. And when I worry, I spill that out onto my husband in particular. Mm -hmm. And I have these like circular conversations about what I should do, what I shouldn't do. What do you think about this? What do you think that person thought? What do you think about this? There was a lot of external processing on things. And I remember coming home from events or parties or even just time out with friends. And there were not every night, but there would be nights where I couldn't sleep thinking about what stupid thing I did or what stupid thing I said, or like there was a lot of ruminating. Mm -hmm. And so the relationships that mattered the most to me have benefited exponentially from me doing self-development work. Mm. Um, I think I show up in my life calmer. Mm-hmm. I am, <laughs> this is funny since given our conversation off air, but I am more decisive mm-hmm. and I don't have to go through with everybody around me like, and what do you think this meant? And, mm-hmm. and I was hiding a lot too from the people who knew me, except like my husband and my kids saw the real me. And so I think they get a much more real version mm-hmm. of me now. and. It's actually been good. And the people who uh, potentially would be like pushback, who want me to stay a people pleaser, who want me to who benefit they've either from just, it. Yeah. They've either just come around or I don't have them in my life anymore. It's really hard to believe that you could get to a point where this person who's so important to you and whose opinion matters to you, that their opinion won't matter anymore. But it really does happen that way. And this has been my case. Yeah. Also, I didn't start my personal development journey until into my forties. And I disappointed putting air quotes around that a lot of people because I was no longer available for their crap. Yeah. And I don't miss any of it. 
hallelujah. I am with you. It's so funny. If you ask, I remember asking one of my kids what it was like. Oh, after, I remember this. And I wish I could remember exactly what she said, but she just said, oh, I think I, I know what it was. Wasn't I apologizing for like, oh, I wish I could have done it better. And she's like, no, it's so good now. And, yeah. and, and they, I think my girls learned a lot from watching yeah. me decide to stop doing this, to stop overgiving, to stop people pleasing, to stop worrying so much. The, the benefit to my family, I can't even put it into words. I actually should ask them because yeah. it, was a, it was hard when I was always worried and it spilled out on them. One thing I do want to say quickly before I forget though, is you were saying, you know, people kind of, it worked out for you. Like there became that point where you weren't so worried about their approval. And I would also say, I think there is a ripple effect when you start to change yourself, dynamics change as well. And so it may be hard to believe, but as I changed things, my husband's communication to me came back differently and and that was happening out in the world too. And so it is scary, but the potential of what you get on the other side of it is so worth it. And I do not feel like the joy has been sucked out of my life for years. Right, right, right. And it really is about taking that leap. And I feel like that's what you want people to know about, you know, why you're doing this podcast is it's a, it can be a scary journey. You might, you might be worried you're going to screw it up, especially if you perfection and people pleasing in your background. And that's part of the shoulds, but you can't, you can't know what's ahead of you. I can't think of one person that I know who has started to put boundaries in place and stopped shoulding whose life has gotten worse. I can't think of oh. one person. No, I totally agree. And I can't remember what you just said, but you reminded me of, you know, when you're in that position, when you're still, it's very isolating because yeah. nobody wants to talk about, well, I don't have my shit together. And, and those, oh, I know what it was. The, the fears of like what you're going to screw up, like the fear that you're going to really fuck up your kids or screw yeah. up your marriage or those sort of things. And it's very, very isolating. So hopefully hearing this makes somebody realize you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not a weirdo. This is so much more common than you realize. Imposter syndrome is everywhere. Shooting on yourself is just, it's just what happens. You know, it's interesting from this book called Radical Awakening, this psychotherapist, I think she is, Dr. Shafali says, women are taught to crave the need for validation, approval, and praise. So of course, we're out there trying to do what is expected of us because that's what we're looking for. And the shift here is to start bringing your validation from within, not Mm. from without. Yeah. What do you think if people, um, and I know you're going to explore this as you have your interviews on your podcast, but how have you seen your clients' lives get better when they start to make that shift? Oh yeah. This is, this is the privilege of the work that I do is I get to watch this. Mm -hmm. Um, it's in small ways. It's like, you know, better communication with their kids. That's actually not small when I say it like that, Mm -hmm. but I was thinking of one client in particular who says I literally saved her marriage that Mm -hmm. being able to open up and get into a more vulnerable position and say what she needs to say to her husband, instead of kind of showing up as the dutiful wife, she's no June Cleaver, don't get me wrong, but, you know, instead of doing what was expected and getting really honest, they were able to save their marriage. That was a huge one for me. Other things I've seen women do start businesses for Mm -hmm. sure. I have one client 
who um, launched a business and then did a total left turn from a coaching business and now owns a brick and mortar boutique and is like the happiest person, but she used to be corporate, raises new jobs. And that all comes from like being able to speak up and stand up. But mm-hmm. it's the, I think the biggest thing is the relationships. I think what happens to people's relationships the improvement, those are the most important things to us. The people that we love, the jobs and all of that are important as well. Don't get me wrong. But I think central to all of us is our connections to the people that we love. And that when they, when you do this kind of work, when you start coming from a place of a value in yourself, you show up so differently and you're able to speak up. And maybe it's losing a relationship that wasn't good for you, or maybe it's improving a relationship that was there or finding, oh my gosh, I have one client who found the love of her life in her forties after, after really coming into her own. So I think the improvement in how you feel about yourself, how you talk to yourself impacts how you show up in the world. And then that all ripples out. My husband will, when we look back on where we were before I started doing, because I started doing self-development work And he just kind of came along for the ride and absorbed it by osmosis. He certainly never did any on his own, Uh, but it has made the entire family better. Yeah. But more importantly, like I just like myself better because when you are in that perfectionistic, people pleasing, shooting, overwhelm, no boundaries, terrible communication, overthinking everything state you're so exhausted. And you're like, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. I could have done that better. And it's like, you hate yourself all day long. Yeah. And John and I always laugh about like, I'll do something now. And I'm like, can you imagine if like what that would have been like 10 years ago? And he's like, oh my God, you never would have done it that way. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I think that um, ultimately you get to like yourself better and more easily. And it, even if you can't believe that, because you were believing all along, like, Oh no, the only way I like myself is I can fit into those size six jeans and I yeah, have the yeah. Gucci purse and we drive this car and I did all the things and I made the uh I made the cupcakes, right? Like I did all the things. That's that's how I'll like myself. But I promise you that that's not the way. And I think that that's what you want people to know by listening to this podcast. 100%. I think you just nailed it. That piece about, you know, it's not about checking off Right. And then you're going to work that way. No, you're not going to love your life. It's all about liking yourself. And when you like yourself, it affects everything. I think that is exactly where we needed to go with this, Jen. Thank you. This is why you're here. (laughs) I always laugh because I think about Whitney Houston's song, like the greatest love of all is loving yourself and Michael Jackson's man in the mirror. And you have to love yourself. And I'm like, I think neither of those two people actually knew how to do that. And that's why they ended up the way that they did. And we're always told you should like yourself. You need to like yourself. You need to like yourself. It starts from within, but most of us have no idea how to friggin' do that. Yeah. And that's why I think your podcast is so important because it's a way in, in a way that's realistic and reasonable and no bullshit. Like, let's talk about it. Cause yeah. when he's singing it, like it didn't work for her. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And as we're wrapping this up, I just want to say, kind of going back to that the way that women are taught to crave the need for approval, validation, and praise. There's no way that you can love yourself if you've been conditioned your whole life to look outside of yourself for that. And so to tell someone, just love yourself. It goes against all your, okay. Yeah. Right. Stop doing that. Oh, okay. This is how therapy works. I would just stop doing that. Oh, okay. Yes. And so I I love that. That's where we're at. It's not that simple. It is possible 
It's That's possible right. to love yourself, but to just go, you know, just love yourself. It's a little more complicated <laughs> than that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for coming here and helping me share my story. This was way more fun than sitting in front of a microphone alone, which is why I decided to ask you to be here as my guest helping me out today. Thank you for walking me through this. Thank you for sharing your story and your perspective. My pleasure. I hope it went where you wanted it to go. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thanks, Jen. Hey, friend. If you recognize yourself in these stories and you don't want to give a should anymore, you have to join my coaching community, the GC. Come learn the tools to recognize when fear and worry are running the show and how to shift into more of what you want without guilt or blowing up your life. Unless, of course, that's what you want. Inside the GC, you'll learn strategies to start making yourself a priority. Stop saying yes when you mean no. Have hard conversations and so much more. And you get to do this with a group of women who are making the same changes in their lives and are there to support you, not judge you. It's a seriously warm, safe space where genuine connections are made. The GC is where doubt and loneliness meet their match. You can get all the info at jennifersherwood.com slash the GC. But if you're not ready for something like that yet, I've got you. Head over to my website, jennifersherwood.com and hit the relief right now button. I'll send three ridiculously simple steps to go from overwhelm to ease.